Today's Parenting Great Kids podcast is brought to you by KiwiCo. Parents, KiwiCo creates super cool, hands-on projects for kids that make learning about science, technology, engineering, art, and math really fun. KiwiCo's mission is to provide the next generation of innovators with the tools and foundation they need to become creative problem solvers and critical thinkers. Kids can create their own arcade games, construct a hydraulic claw, or tinker with electronics and motors. Friends, I want to tell you that I use KiwiCo's projects for my grandkids ages 3 and 5, and they love them, and I like using them alongside the grandkids too. KiwiCo is offering Parenting Great Kids with Dr. Meg Meeker listeners the chance to try them for free. To redeem this offer and learn more about their projects for kids, visit kiwico.com slash meg. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash meg. Support for today's show comes from Potty MD. Potty MD was founded by a certified pediatric urologist with a mission to make your child's potty woes a little easier. It helps with everything from potty training to bedwetting with innovative products like the Potty Monkey, which helps your child potty train by singing to them and teaching them how to use the potty. Friends, it's adorable. And a waterproof vibrating reminder watch, which reminds kids to take a potty break to avoid accidents. And a wet stop bedwetting alarm, which wakes your kids up as soon as they start to wet the bed. Go to pottymd.com slash Meg and enter the code Meg for 10% off. That's pottymd.com slash Meg. For 30 plus years, I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 58, and I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. We're going to be continuing a great interview I had with Fox News anchor Tucker Carlson. So you might want to be sure to listen to episode number 57, the first part of my interview with Tucker. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of dads. My guest is Tucker Carlson, Fox News anchor and host of Tucker Carlson Tonight. I recently sat down with Tucker in his office and talked about his own father, being the father of four, and what he thinks about the state of fathers in America. So stay tuned. Tucker is funny, witty, and has unusual stories and insights into fatherhood. During this podcast, I want each of us to pause and think about the dads in our own lives. Some of us have wonderful memories of our fathers, conversations, vacations, car rides, walks in the park. Some of us have lost our fathers and ache to have them back for just one more day. And some of you listening are fathers of young children or grown adults. 
Perhaps you're a single dad struggling with a feeling that maybe you just aren't enough for your kids. Or maybe you struggle with wondering if you're getting this parenting thing right. No matter who you are or what's your age, each of you has experience with a father. Even if you had no father in the home growing up, your experience is that you wished for a dad. You missed out on so much. If you had a painful experience with your father, you need resolution. Whatever you feel about dads right now, this, parents, is a podcast for you. As always in the podcast, I'll share my points to ponder for you to start using right away. And parents, as a reminder, don't just download the episodes, click subscribe. When you do that, you are joining my parenting revolution and every new episode will automatically show up in your subscribed list. You won't regret it. Then we'd love for you to write us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think. Also, not only are we on iTunes, but the Parenting Great Kids podcast is also available in the Google Play Store and on Stitcher. So no matter where you get your podcasts, subscribe today. Don't miss a single episode. So parents, thanks for listening. This is episode number 58. Stay with us. Now on to my points to ponder. First, dads, be bold. You know, many dads fail to act on their really good instincts because they feel pressure to stay in the background, be quiet, and just kind of orbit their homes. When it comes to setting boundaries with kids, dads often keep quiet because they don't want to rock the boat. Don't do this to your kids. Your opinion, your feelings, your thought, and your voice matters to your kids, whether they're six months, six years, or 26 be bold. Second, be present. You know, in my experience, fathers universally underestimate their importance and how important to their kids spending time with their kids really is. Many fathers feel that their kids don't care if they're home or not. And many dads feel that their kids just don't pay attention if dads are busy at home, texting, looking at their iPhone, working on their computers. But that's not true. Don't do this to your kids. Engage them. Every child wants to know that his or her father wants to be with them. So when you show up emotionally, intellectually, mentally for your kids regularly, you change who your kids become. Finally, be proud. You know, we're living in a father bashing, father shaming culture. Don't buy into this. Be proud to be a father and don't cave to peer pressure and other pressure around you that tells you you're unnecessary or expendable. Yeah, you may feel this, but be assured of one thing. Your kids don't feel this way. To them, their world revolves around you, dad. They hang on every word you say every thought you give them, every experience they have. You are your kid's security and safety. It's your approval they're after, not their coaches, not their teachers, and not their friends. I want you now to listen in on a conversation I had with Tucker Carlson. I know you're really going to enjoy this. Let's just talk about what's happening to dads. Um, you know, dads are por- portrayed in the media as buffoons. They're the butt of everybody's joke. They need to be corrected by a snarky 11-year-old. This is what we're seeing. And I think that a lot of um, fathers, unfortunately, are feeling sort of like outcasts. They feel like they orbit their families. I know you don't, but a lot of fathers do. Where did this come from? 
Well, you know exactly where it came from. I mean, well, I know, but I want to hear you. I mean, look, I, you know, I'm not a conspiracy nut. I, I don't believe in large scale conspiracies. They're impossible. I do believe in what's obvious, which is there are conspiracies of temperament and intent and instinct. And if a large number of powerful people desire something to happen, they'll try to make it happen. And clearly the family, a strong family unit is a threat to authoritarian control, as noted earlier. And so a lot of the people in charge of our society feel this kind of instinctive desire to undermine the family, the patriarchy, as they call it. Um, And I think the effect has been to destroy our society, obviously. Mm -hmm. That's pretty clear. And to hurt kids and all kinds. I mean, we could spend hours talking about the ill effects, but they're they're obvious. What do you do about it? I mean, I, I, I think that men play a role or they're complicit in this in a way that makes me sad. You know, you're a husband, a father, a breadwinner. You know, you should... Why are, like you should people are treated the way they allow themselves to be treated. I've yep. always thought that. So I'm not making a case for swaggering and demanding that people kowtow you to you at all. I'm not saying that. I am saying in life, all the way from childhood till death, people are treated the way they allow themselves to be treated. And I don't understand why fathers and husbands allow themselves to be treated the way they do. I think it's totally bizarre. I mean, I would never do that. Not because I seek to control my wife or kids. I don't. You can ask them. I don't. I'm actually quite libertarian. But I will not be disrespected by my kids at the table. Why would I be? And neither will their mother. Why would she be? And I don't treat my kids with respect either. I don't, I'm not into the whole disrespect in the family thing. I don't like it. And people put up with this junk and you're like, why would you do that? Because like somebody on TV told you you had to or some Ford commercial told you you were a buffoon. You buy that? Really? Because I don't. Well, I think that a lot of men don't have, they don't see good role models. A lot of guys don't, didn't have a dad growing up. Yep. And they really don't know how to be a man. You know, one of the things that I have written a lot about is that boys need to see a man in action in order to become a good man. Of course. And a lot of boys just don't see a man. A lot of them are raised by single moms. And I think that uh, a lot of boys don't respond as well to their mothers as they do to their dad. I think it's a power Obviously. issue. It's a, te- it's, a, it's a testosterone issue. Of course. But I th- not that single moms can't raise great great boys much harder but as a man and as a boy grown up why do you think boys respond more to fathers to men why do what in your opinion as a man why do boys other than having a role model need men well because boys don't naturally evolve into men they have to become men women seamlessly you know girls seamlessly become women you know part of it's biological but as a matter of identity These are generalizations, and they're not always true. But in general, girls just sort of become women over time. Boys have to sort of cross some threshold into manhood. And that's why every culture from the beginning of time that we're aware of has had that moment. You know, the bar mitzvah Mm -hmm. among the ancient Hebrews or whatever, among the Maasai, your circumcision ceremony, you know, or whatever. The American Indians, the sweat lodger. I mean, but there's a reason that every culture has had that same rite of passage because— it's not an organic process. You know, you have to prove to the rest of the tribe that you're now a man. And so it's just a very different process uh, growing up for boys than it is for girls. And having a role model in the house to whom you're biologically related is absolutely key to that, of course. But again, I just can't get over the 
passivity of American men in the face of attacks on them. If you had an organized movement designed to degrade femininity, to outlaw it, if you had every college, federally subsidized university in America had a department that was devoted to attacking women, oh. somebody would stand up and say, well, wait a second, maybe this is going to hurt the girls who go to the school. And if the girls' suicide rate was three times the boys' suicide rate, someone might connect the two and say, maybe if you attack girls relentlessly, they'll kill themselves. Right. Well, the opposite is happening, and we're like, oh, well, you know, it's just kind of the price of doing business. What? No. This is totally wrong, totally immoral. And we should not participate in any way at all. This is a threat to my son. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's I how mean, I, I, I feel. And I've told my son, don't put up with that for a second. I think one of the biggest motivations, the biggest reason for fathers to act masculine in the home is to set a great example for their sons. Because how in the world can we expect sons to be masculine if, if they don't have a dad there? Why are, why are men putting up with this? I, I guess because they're told to. I guess because a lot of them grew up without fathers. I guess because in the end, distressingly, most people sort of follow orders, follow instructions. If the culture tells you something is valuable, you believe it is. If they tell you to jump, you ask how high. I mean, I guess people are basically pretty obedient. I'm not. I didn't grow up that way at all. So, I mean, it never even a question for me. Like, what? If someone in charge says something dumb, it's like, no, I'm not going along with that. If they say something smart, okay. I'll go along with it, but i that's just how we were raised. My father was a journalist, and not the kind of journalist you have now who are all handmaidens to power who are like, oh, well, the Google guy said it's true. It must be true. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're just throne sniffers, right? Right. But like a, kind of an old school, in my father's case, high school educated journalist who was a newspaper man, like, no, just because someone says it's true doesn't mean it's true. Right. You know, trust but verify. Are you joking? By the way, the people in charge know pretty much not much more than you do. Mm-hmm. So like, don't take orders from them. And that's just how I grew up. And I, I can promise you that's how I've raised my kids to grow up. And all four of them went to boarding school and liberal boarding school, the same one I went to. And I didn't worry about them, and it's, I've been proved right so far, um, falling for the propaganda because they, that's, they were raised to, you know, to be very skeptical. Did you find that uh, as they were going through boarding school, you kind of had to undo some of the teaching that they received, sort of debrief them when they got home? Because a lot of parents feel like that. You Not know, I really. mean, the East Coast is pretty... I mean, I probably should have more with one of them, but at least for... Th- I, You know, and they're still pretty young, but at least for three out of four, I mean, they were like, these people are totally mediocre. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't believe them at all. And they... You know, they weren't fooled for a second, from what I can tell. You must have talked a lot about values and your worldview and Not that kind of stuff. Really? I mean, I have had very few moments like, you know, sit down, children, here's what we believe. Um, really, the only issue, the only political or cultural issue I've ever talked to my kids about explicitly is abortion. That's it. Yeah. And, like, I don't know what the right tax rate is or what you think of war with Iran or, you know, I have strong views, but maybe you'll reach different conclusions. You can't kill people. Except right. in self-defense. I mean, that's a foundational thing for me. And yes, we're Episcopalians and our church is totally for more abortion or whatever, but we're not. And we're not for that at all. And we're not for it because I think it's wrong, inherently wrong, but I also think that it raises a much larger question, which is, are you God? And the answer is, no, you're not. No. You don't have the power of life and death over people. And yes, you know, babies born to 15-year-olds, that's, it's incredibly sad and it's hard and it hurts the life 
you know, it hurts everybody when that happens. But it doesn't give you license to kill somebody yeah. just because he's inconvenient. I'm sorry. You don't have that power. It, you know what I mean? Because, oh, yeah. again, uh, you're yeah. not God. So on that one subject, I've said to all four of my children, there's really no room for disagreement. This is what we believe. Here's why we believe it. If you disagree, tell me. But I expect you to believe that. That's really the only thing. And I don't tell them who to vote for or anything. You know, in my response to abortionists, for those people on the fence, go see one. You won't ah. stay on the fence. Because it's to, to most people, it's an idea. But when you actually experience it, it's just, it's horrifying. I can't even imagine that. Yeah, it's, it's just horrifying. Parents, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Tucker Carlson. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of my conversation with Tucker Carlson. Moms and dads, nobody knows your child better than you. You know they love spinach, hate those scratchy purple socks, and only wear green on Wednesdays. But do you know if their development is on track? Now there's a free app to find out developed by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. As you well know, your child is growing, learning, and blowing your mind with new things they can do every day. It can be hard to keep up, but keeping track of how your child plays, learns, speaks, acts, and moves for their age gives important clues about developmental health. Luckily, CDC's free milestone tracker app has lots of fun and helpful features it has milestone checklists for two months to five years with photos and videos to show what each milestone can look like in real life the app helps you recognize and celebrate your own child's milestones gives you tips and activities to help support their development and even gives reminders for upcoming appointments checklists and developmental screenings, all in one free parent-friendly app. Visit the App Store or Google Play to download CDC's free Milestone Tracker app today. Friends, Left Field Farms is a refreshing new dairy brand founded on a left field thought. Just let the cow do its thing. Cows on most U.S. dairy farms eat GMO feed, but not at Left Field Farms. Left Field Farm cows eat non-GMO feed for a simpler, less processed diet, providing wholesome, non-GMO milk. But before cows can do cow things, like make delicious meals, they need to be comfortable. That's why Left Field Farms goes the extra mile to care for their cows. They provide shade, plenty of water, and an environment where they're free to just be cows. You'd think you're at a cow spa. Left Field Farms partners with family farms for high-quality milk so we can trace our milk back to each farm. All of this makes for happy cows, and with happy cows comes delicious milk and coffee creamer. Wonderful things to come out of Left Field. Next time you're in the dairy aisle, take a fresh look and choose Left Field Farms. Is your faith important to you and your family? Did you make your kids go to church? Yeah, we went to church every Sunday, um, and we say grace before every meal always, including in restaurants silently. Um, but with that, so that makes us sound very faithful, but then it's, you know, we're Episcopalians, so like... 
What does that well, mean? You know, everyone drinks a lot. And, you know, <laughs> like I mean, a good Catholic. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Catholics like their wine. Heavy yeah. on the cocktails. Um, no, I mean, my father-in-law, my wife's father, is a clergyman, is an Episcopal priest. Okay. Baptized all my children. Um, my wife and I are both daily prayer sayers. Um, but, I mean, again, this is making us sound more faithful than we are. I'm unbelievably profane and always have been. Probably shouldn't be. But that doesn't mean you're not faithful. Well, just I mean. Just you're profane no, and you drink well, a lot I'm of cocktails. No, I'm profane. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't drink at all, by the way, anymore. Okay. But, um, no, my kids are all big cocktail people. Uh, but. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to want to hear you say that. Oh, I don't think they'd be embarrassed, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> no, they're not well, big cocktail people. I'm no. just saying. What I'm yeah. saying, I'm actually it's half joking, but no, what I'm really saying is it's not, um, I didn't grow up and we haven't provided for our children a kind of evangelical environment at all. And I'm hardly a theologian, but I do believe strongly in God, sincerely in God. And I'm absolutely positive that there is order to the universe because I see it in my own life and in history, which I'm interested in. And um, and I so I think God is active in the world. I really believe that. I find myself paradoxically maybe less interested in the details as I get older, mm-hmm. less interested in theology, in determining how many angels can fit on the pinhead. I just I just don't care, weirdly. I don't know why, but I actually don't want to even be around that. I believe in God. I, I believe in the Lord's Prayer, which I say every day, and I think, so I was just telling one of my children who was, without getting too personal, but was having problems with someone else, I said, the, the key to Christianity is as we forgive those who trespass against us. Like the forgiveness part, forgiveness is conditional, mm-hmm. at least according to the Lord's Prayer, that's how I read it, as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's like you've got to forgive in order to be forgiven. That's right. like one of the key insights of the entire religion is that forgiveness is essential, but it also liberates you. And so really work on that. And it takes supernatural help to get it done because some people make you so mad some people are just so awful. Nobody makes you mad, Tucker. I, I can't. Ima- I can't imagine. Honestly, you getting I'm angry. not that mad a person to be <laughs> no, honest. I mean, I, I sleep like an animal every night. Mm-hmm. I'm never mad about stuff, but I do think that certain anger does need supernatural help to get past. I do think that. I and I think that's one of the most important things we can teach our kids. Yes, because if you don't forgive somebody, they have power over you. And it eats Complete, you up. Yeah, it makes it you into you a person you don't want to be. Bitter, I mean, angry. Yep. And you enjoy it, and you know, being mean, you know, or mocking somebody, which I do like pretty much full time. So I'm not casting stones, but like over time, that is not good for you. No. It makes you ugly, actually. Very it does. Ugly. It yes. does. It does. We only have a couple minutes left. This has been just so great. Where are fathers headed? What does the next 10 years look like for the survival of dads? And what can we, and I'm particularly talking about women, because I think we have a huge role to play in this, in the strengthening encouragement of our fathers. Because fatherlessness, I'm convinced if we could get fathers back in the home, committed to their families, so many of our social ills would go away. Our cities would be safer. I really think fewer boys would shoot up schools. Of course. I really believe that, you know, the inner cities, you know, you move some great fathers into neighborhoods, drugs are going to go away. So where is fatherhood going and what can we as men and women do to help fathers be restored to what they should be? Or not even restored, but to occupy their rightful place. 
You know, I think about this a lot. I mean, so the key divide is not between left and right, Republican, Democrat. It's between people who believe the family's the center of everything and those who don't. Exactly. You know, people who care about children, who believe in God and everybody else. And that cuts across religions, by the way. I have a lot more in common with your average faithful Shiite, nonviolent Shiite. I'm serious. I agree. Than I do with your average like hipster in Brooklyn who may be an Episcopalian or whatever. But I don't have anything in common with that person. Because I've got children and I care about them more than anything. I care about my marriage more than anything. So that's the divide. And the people in charge, unfortunately, are actively opposed to strong families. They really are. They seek to undermine them in every way. I mean, there's a reason you see those ads on TV. And there's a reason that... Deconstruct these law Yeah, 100%. And so that's not sustainable over time. I mean, there's nothing magic about how to run a decent family. It's biological. The only reason we've screwed it up is because we've overthought it. Like, you know exactly how it works. You know exactly what the problem in inner cities is. It's not because the color of the people who live there. It's because the families are screwed up. But, but you listen to the news and we talk they're about... they're idiots. They're idiots. And so, like, whenever I hear the school debate, it's like it just cracks me up. Well, the teachers, this, should we pay them more or less? Class size, it's like, no. Schools that are successful are the ones with good parents, actually. It's not even about the kids. Tucker, you sound like me. It's totally true. <laughs> yes, and I know I'm yeah. against teachers unions or whatever, but I don't really care. Because the truth is, if the moms are engaged and their husbands are backing them up, they won't put up with a crappy school, period. They won't. They'll, mar- they'll burn it down. Like They won't put up with that. Mm-hmm. Engaged parents will not put up with a bad education, or they'll leave. And so the problem, it's all about everything is about the family. And you either get that or you don't. And the people in charge, again, for whatever the reason, um, are on the other side of it. And so I just see at some point a split. You don't want to live around people who are trying to wreck your family, actually. And at some point you'll see critical mass of people who are like, you know, they have different views on this or that. But I don't want to live in a place that is a threat to my children. Mm -hmm. And they're going to kind of go off by themselves. I'm not calling for civil war or anything, but I'm just saying that whatever's going on right now, not sustainable. And you will see people of like mind, again, of different religions and races. I'm not calling for, I I hate all that race stuff, and I hate the religious division stuff. I'm talking about first principles. People who believe in those will be like, you know, I want to live near other people who believe in the family. I do. And they will. Right. I mean it. That's going to happen because it's too basic. You know, you can tax me too much or you can... You know, do this or that thing that I disagree with or start this or that stupid war. Okay, fine. But if you're actually threatening my kids, I'm not, I, I, I don't want to be around that. Well, it's fundamental to it's, survive. It's fundamental. It's exactly right. So I think, you know, people will start to congregate geographically with people who share those views and values. And I think they already to some extent have. I mean, you've seen massive movement in this country that never gets any coverage from state to state, region to region. Part of that is economic. Part of it is cultural. Mm-hmm. 50% of Californians surveyed yesterday said they would like to leave the state. Part of that, again, is high housing prices and immigration and all that. But part of it is deeper than that. It has to do with the most basic of all questions. Where shall I raise my kids? Mm-hmm. Not here. These people hate my kids, actually. They hate my kids. And they, they want to propagandize them and control them and destroy their lives. And I don't want to be around that, so I'm moving to Montana. It's a really anti-kid culture. Uh, it's 100%. It's an anti-kid culture. And, of course, kid. you pointed out earlier that the people who talk about tolerance are the least tolerant. That's one of a thousand ironies because, as you get older, you realize everything is irony. Mm-hmm. And whatever someone is 
fighting in the name of is almost exactly the opposite of what he's really doing, always. Oh, Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the AG of New York. Oh, nothing worse than hitting women, he says, on his way to beat his girlfriend. So the state that talks about children the most is the state you wouldn't want your kids to set foot in. And again, that can't last. We'll all be in Montana by the end. I'll see you Why there. do parents not see the irony and the hypocrisy? How are we so blind? I mean, this is what you do for a living is cover people and behavior and news. Why are we so blind? Because we're just anesthetized with, you know, whatever it is, whether it's Paxil or the iPhone or weed or music or whatever. I mean, the whole game is to keep the population so stupefied that they don't fight back. Why do you think Kamala Harris is like, we need more marijuana. That's the key. Really? So if you were running a society to the detriment of the people who live there, you'd want to be sure they were pretty darn passive, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. And we are because we're totally distracted by the baubles and the crap and the fast-moving, shiny stuff. But take a minute. The last thing I'll say, but one of the reasons I so love flying is because... I have an hour to just sit with my eyes closed and let my thoughts roam. And I find, and by the way, every person should have that for eight hours a day, but none of us do, thanks to technology. But when you have that moment, you start to see your thoughts align in order of actual importance. You create a natural hierarchy in your mind of what actually matters. And it's when I get off the plane, I travel with one of my producers, Emily Lynn, and I always say to her when I get off, but I feel like I just had a spot treatment. I feel so much better. I didn't do anything. All I did was space out, and I realized that like a lot of things I think are important or not, and a lot of the things that I overlook are actually of central importance. And I think the more time we have in silence, the clearer that becomes. And the truth is we just don't have any silence, so we're, we miss it. It's way too noisy. Yes. And yeah, don't get me started. How noise is, is destroying our kids. Yes. Constant. I hate that. Constant. Earbuds? Earbuds. I mean, I'd rather have my kids smoke cigarettes than have earbuds. I mean it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I feel that way. Yeah. Well, that's a great place to end. Yeah. Well, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> Do I get arrested now for saying that? <laughs> He'd rather have his kids smoke Oh, no. Well, Tucker, this has been wonderful. I really love hearing your views on fatherhood. And um, you're a great dad. I can just tell you're a great dad. And part of the reason you're probably a great dad is because you had a great dad. I had a great dad. I don't know if I am, but I had one. And I want every dad out there to hear it that you make any noise. It's a life changer. It's a life changer. It's a game changer having a good dad in your life. That's for sure. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Friends, I'm not going to answer reader questions today because I want to give my full attention to this awesome interview that I had with Tucker Carlson. But rest assured, very soon, I'm going to devote an entire podcast to answering your questions. While I wasn't able to answer your questions today, please continue to write in and ask me any question. Nothing is off limits. You can connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Meg Meeker, MD. Or if you have a question, send it to askmeg at megmeekermd.com. You know I love answering your questions, so please keep sending them in to me. I want to thank my guest, Tucker Carlson. So friends, please be sure to tune in to his awesome show, Tucker Carlson Tonight on Fox News weekdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So let's recap my points to ponder. Dads, one, be bold. Two, be present. And three, be 
proud. So remember, until next time, parents, great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Episode 58, The Importance of Fatherhood, Part 2. And thanks to you, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over a million downloads. You can like Dr. Meeker on Facebook and follow her on Twitter and Instagram at MegMeekerMD. As a reminder, go to MegMeekerMD.com and sign up for her newsletter for giveaway opportunities and updates. And don't forget to share the podcast, write us a review, and click subscribe so you won't miss an episode.